Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark, Season 2, Episode 5, I think, maybe Episode 6 at this point, uh, as we are over six months into our Canucks After Dark venture, and we have actual Vancouver Canucks regular season hockey games to talk about for the first time in a long time. Clay, coming off of a 24-hour live stream marathon, but he's ready to go. He's back. How are you feeling? I'm doing great, Parker. Not only uh, more important than coming off the 24-hour stream, I'm here for the start of this, and I'm not leaving early. I, I felt bad for cheating. Well, I don't think you cared, but for cheating the, the viewers of the Clay Emo experience. So you have me for the whole hour, although I will take a break for 30 seconds in between. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, but we'll worry about that later. <laughs> Uh, we do have a lot of good topics tonight. Of course, we have the three games that we can recap. We've got uh, some Travis Hamanick news. We've got uh, some Brock Besser news. We got three games upcoming before our next show as the road trip finishes up in Buffalo, Chicago, and Seattle. Well, of course, I don't do that. Our haikus, Evander Kane news. So much stuff has happened in the last week, uh, and it is going to be a blast to talk about. Um, I feel like I normally have another spiel in here, but I can't remember it. So, Clay, do you want to get right in to our first topic of the night? Sure. I think the spiel, isn't it usually about, oh, finding us on podcasts, like networks and stuff like that? Yeah, you guys you guys know where to find us at this point. I think you can figure it out. Let's get into our first topic of the evening. Uh, normally, we'd start off with the with the games that have happened, but I do want to start off with the more interesting news that, that broke today, and that's around Travis Hamanick and... We're not going to do any, you know, we, we've said, said this every time. We're not going to do any speculating. We're going to talk strictly about what this means for the team. But he's on leave of absence, which isn't like a CBA official term. Uh, technically, he is under the same boat as suspended without pay, just maybe mutually, uh, which frees up the entire $3 million of cap space for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he did have 1.785 left on his cap hit while designated to the AHL, which he did not report to, which means the Canucks can suspend him without pay. However, Canucks obviously in LTIR, so it's kind of complicated if this actually helps the team or not. Clay, what was your initial reaction to sort of the, the Twitter storm that, that occurred this morning? Yeah, you know, I, I have a couple of things. I, I want to give you props right off the start, Parker, because whenever it came up on here, you would be the one who say it's not fair to speculate. It's not we shouldn't speculate. And then I would agree with you, but then I'd start speculating for a couple of minutes, and then it's hard then not I, to. It is, and it, it's because we care, right? It's not because we're worried about where this three million dollars is going to go to. That's the practical side, but the human side. And I've logged about this today, Parker. I actually said, I, I pulled a mea culpa. I said. You know, in the past, and it wasn't for clickbait or for views, but I was curiously interested in trying to piece together what was going on. And then I said, no, that, that's ridiculous. The Jim Benning has asked for privacy. He's asked for, you know, um, just kind of no more comment. And with that part of it, I, I think that's fair. And I, I basically said I probably was a small contributor to the other side. So having said all that, I want the best for him, whether it's a mental health thing, Actually, I'm doing it again. Whatever it is, I want. I, no, truly, I want the best for him for sure. The Twitter storm that you talked about, yeah, I think Cap Friendly, right? They came out first and said yeah. they noticed that he wasn't on the thing, and they used the term suspended. Then Travis Green said, "No, that's not true." Then Jim Benning released said, "No, he's on a he's been placed on a temporary leave of absence." And then Cap Friendly went back and said, "But technically, the term is still suspended without pay." And that doesn't mean suspended because he did something bad. It just means. The, you're you're suspending his pay and i guess right. that technically is correct right yeah that is the cba official term and it is kind of interesting that this is the route they went um because you know the canucks are in ltir right it's not like because normally throughout the season you accumulate cap space right if you have let's say two million dollars of free space the cap rolls over every day so every mm -hmm. day that you have that two million of cap space you get a little bit more towards the year and that's why teams can go out and sign someone or trade for someone at the trade deadline. It was like a $6 million cap hit because he only has like $2 million left and they've accrued enough space over the, the previous length of the season, which would make sense in a case like this. However, with, uh, with Furland on LTIR and um, Brandon Sutter on LTIR and Brady Keeper on LTIR, mm -hmm. the Canucks basically have an expanded cap 
as in they can go over the cap a certain amount. However, they won't accrue anything through that. So the projected cap space right now is $0. They just now also have another like $2 million of LTIR that they can dip into, but that's only relevant if they either call someone up that's expensive, which I don't think they have anyone that qualifies, uh, or if they were to go out and try to make an addition to the team. So that's a good explanation. Does that mean they can go find someone and sign them for 2 million bucks? I'm not being sarcastic. I'm asking you. Yeah, I believe so. So if I'm reading this right, their their LTIR space or their total LTIR is five about $5.4 million and they're about 3.2 into it. So that okay. leads, me, leads me to believe that they can go another 2.2 million over the cap. Yeah. However, you know, that it's, it's not really that simple. Uh, cause I, cause you know, what if, you know, Brandon Sutter comes back, well then you have his, his cap, it goes back on the cap and that's a million dollars. And, and if, um, Brady Heeper comes back and then if Travis Hamannick comes back, you know, three months from now, let's guess, uh, then he would be against the cap as well. So it's really tricky. You can only really do it if you like knew that he was done for the season. Uh, otherwise you'd have to do some weird cap juggling later on. Like we've sort of seen Toronto have to do early on in the season. So it doesn't give the Canucks a lot of flexibility. Um, so it kind of, I, you know, it kind of makes me wonder like, well, why even bother suspending him in the first place? Uh, unless it is just a financial decision, uh, on behalf of the ownership group, uh, at that point. Great point. And to take a really extreme, but, uh, a clear example, let's say Hamnick comes back on November 1st. And he comes back to Vancouver, not Abbotsford. We got to count for his full three million. Guess what? We're actually got to clear a million somewhere, whether that is cutting a Patan or a Chase on or whoever it may be, right? You got to make that space. So that's mm. a really good point. And and you see contenders, they don't spend all the way the cap. They leave space at trade deadline time, right? When they can trade away picks of prospects that barely count for anything for a, a rental, a five million, six million, seven million dollar player, whatever it is. So it might behoove the Canucks to leave that cap space open for whenever. Hamnick or Sutter, as you said, comes back. Right, yeah. So since the Canucks do have about 2.2 million of LTIR to dip into, if Hamnick came back and was the full 3 million, when you send someone down to the AHL, that would cover that in that case. Right. So uh, the, the Canucks are, are were, you know, they were fine under the cap. I mean, fine under the cap. Um, but, you know, the, this doesn't really make a big impact unless, like I said, they knew he wasn't coming back and they could go out and spend that money elsewhere. Uh, but even then, I don't know where they're going to be spending that money, right? I saw lots of people yeah. speculating, like, oh, well, could you go get, uh, like, a shutdown right-handed defenseman? It's like every team in the league wants one of those, right? <laughs> you can't just be like, oh, we got $2 million to spend. Let's go pick up a really good player. It's like, well, no, they've like, all the really good players are picked up by now. Yes. Um, that's why we end up with guys like Alex Chason getting PTOs <laughs> and not, you know, really good right-handed defensemen. Yeah, Travis Green defended Alex Chason, though, in the media availability today. He said he's been fine, and which he has been, but I'd rather have Brock Besser, but I know we'll get to that. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get into the games that we saw come up in the last week? Sure. Let's do All that. Right. Let's go from the top. Season opener, Edmonton Oilers take down the Vancouver Canucks in an opening night shootout. This was a wild game that saw uh, the Edmonton Oilers come out to a, uh, a late first period goal, a late second period goal to have a 2 nothing lead. And it was one of those ones where it kind of felt like the, it just wasn't going to be the Canucks night, even though they were the better team later on in the game. And then they get two defenseman goals that <laughs> both very fluky, uh, that uh, should not have gone in. Uh, one, a wild tip off of an Oliver Ekman Larson shot from the point off a defenseman stick into the far post. And then there was the Quinn Hughes goal where he kind of just snuck in and just snuck a shot past Smith to force the shootout. Uh, which went to five rounds uh, and was ended by Kyle Turris. What was your initial reaction to this game? It felt um, it. It felt like it, I wasn't surprised basically because Edmonton's at home in front of their fans. Just as I hope we're going to come out flying in our home opener. But I was sure, I was sure happy with the grit and determination we showed. That's a grit and determination we barely saw last season, Parker. I know last season was a dog's breakfast. We've talked about it, dissected like. To, to death, basically. But that was great to see them score two goals in the last eight minutes from defensemen by hook or by crook. They got in the nets. Yeah, I'm sure Mike Smith wants both of them, especially the the the, the second one back. But And they had a chance to win. They, they were the better team in overtime. Pearson and Pedersen, both with great A mm -hmm. chances. Demko making the first three saves. Garland, what, wow, what a first impression. He could have won the game for the team in his very first 
regular season game, but we, we got our point and it was kind of a, a sign of things to come on the road trip, at least the next game. But I, I was, I was happy with the comeback for sure. Yeah. I, I remember after this game, my reaction was, okay, the Canucks kind of went out and they stole a point, right? This was the most positive loss scenario, right? Team starts out down two goals. You've kind of written it off halfway through the third period. They come back, they steal, they steal a point, they still lose, but it's in a shootout. So whatever you say, okay, well, they got a point. They probably shouldn't have. Let's move on. And I was going to say, and I actually said in my post game after that game, I said, if it had been the other way around and the Canucks had a two goal lead, blew it in the last two minutes and then uh, lost in a shootout, we'd be very upset because they would have lost a point. And then that almost happens two nights later <laughs> in Philadelphia, where the Canucks allow two goals in the last two minutes and 17 seconds to tie the game at four. But then they still go uh, go out and secure the win in the shootout there. Yeah, it was basically the exact same thing as the other game, but opposite. We blew the the lead, but uh, won it in overtime as opposed to uh, just like Edmonton. You could say they blew the lead, yet they won it in the shootout. I, I should say that one was a more interesting game. Canucks, uh, the Flyers crowd, they were energetic, weren't they? It was it was really cool actually to to mm -hmm. see and hear. Then you kind of hope that our guys do okay. But uh, yeah, the that look, they scored all four goals in the third second period, right? In that game, uh, yeah, the Canucks did, yeah, yes. and that was a wild second period because Pod Colson opens the scoring for the Canucks to tie the game at one and a genuinely good goal, skating downhill yeah. down the right hand side, his off wing, uh, so he's got the puck on the inside and he's able to just rip one over Hart, who probably went down a little bit early. And I think this is a game where Corey Hirsch, as a broadcaster, kind of showed like he's got really smart goaltending knowledge, right? He was like, he called it right off the bat. He's like, Hart looks not confident. He looks like he's going down early. Uh, I'd expect to see a couple of fluky goals, right? Puck holes in one, not fluky, probably savable, but a good shot nonetheless. Then we get an Elias Pettersson goal, um, which <laughs> is a shot that goes off of Pettersson, off the wall, off of Carter Hart and in, <laughs> which is a, a complete fluke. And then we get a chase on goal, which is a really nice pass by Miller to chase on in the slot. He tries to tuck it in. It gets stopped. I think it's Sanheim who tries to clear it to the corner, hits chase on skate and goes in. And then JT Miller scores uh, the fourth goal for the Canucks. And I don't even remember this one, but I feel like I remember it being a weird one. Yeah, he... Uh... Oh, it was Pedersen who shot it from basically the, the goal line. It snuck through... Uh, Hart and then and then Miller was there. To oh poke yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Pedersen going down the left wing, yes. fired it across uh, at Hart because he knew he wasn't playing well. Kind of got stuck <laughs> between the skate blade and the post. Hart yeah. kept moving because he didn't know where the puck was, and Miller jammed it home. So three fluky goals for the Canucks, and then yeah, the Flyers go out tie it very late. We go to a shootout that um, the Canucks just go two for two. That's all they needed. Two rounds, two shooters, two goals. Elias Pettersson with a quick little shot and JT Miller undressed Carter Hart. Uh, a beautiful goal. And uh, and the Canucks get their two points on the board. Yeah, so you walk out of that game. You're down to, you've played two games and you come up with three out of a possible four points. That's, a, that's an awesome start. And we are all confident heading into Detroit on Saturday. Yeah. Right. The thought is, you know what? It's the Detroit Red Wings. Yes, it's the third home opener the Canucks are playing in three <laughs> games. So you know you're going out against a team that is inspired. And I don't think anyone expected the game we got. The physicality, the emotion, the absolute insane goaltending from, from Thomas Grice that I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, but this game starts out with a, um, a kind of shaky Yaroslav Halak. I think we sort of noticed at the beginning, uh, just like playing the puck kind of scarily, uh, looked a little bit shaky, but he stayed okay. You know, didn't allow any goals from it. Then, uh, a shot from the point gets tipped by Robbie yep. Fabry and beats him. It's like, all right, it's a tip goal. It's kind of unlucky. And then in the second period, the Connor Garland show begins, right? Connor Garland gets this goal where a uh, nice little give and go with Horvat takes it behind the net and has his eyes up the whole time, sees that Grice's head is off the post, and the only way this goes in, because he's literally on the goal line, is if you hit the goalie's head. And he <laughs> nails it, hits the side of Grice's mask, and knocks it in to tie the game at one. Uh, then Zadina scored one uh, uh, only two minutes later, which ended up being the game-winning goal. But the real you know, story from this game was sort of the Garland versus Zadina, the Garland versus everybody. Uh, it was very emotional, very physical, uh, and a lot of stuff came out of that game. 
Yeah, you have Zadina bouncing off Garland's back. I, I don't know how you can bounce off a guy who's only 5'8", 170, or whatever Garland is. Um, and then for Zadina to make those silly post-game comments yeah. where he was basically making fun of himself if he, he used the M-word, right? And if he yeah. if he basically said that's what that, that guy does because he's an M-word, yet Zadina was the one who got injured. So what does that make Zadina? Whatever. Yeah. And then I liked how Horvat, Ekman Larson, Pullman, uh, Pearson, all those guys uh, – they made the comment that Garland kind of dragged them all into the fight with them and they were fine. They're ready to fight. I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I don't think there's going to be any feud between these two teams. We don't play them again for another six months. So it's, yeah. it'll be long forgotten by then, but it was nice to see the Canucks uh, tough it out, even though they were not rewarded on that particular night. Yeah. There was a lot of people after Gadjevich got claimed uh, after McEwen got claimed that were all, okay, well, where's this toughness going to come from? Right. We don't have these big bodies that can drop the gloves. Well, we saw toughness from the smallest guy on the team, Connor Garland, uh, in spades. Uh, we saw Bo Horvat uh, leading by example, getting into a scrum, throwing some punches, getting a little bit of a takedown. We saw Oliver Ekman Larson getting involved. We saw, you know, Garland going after Giovanni Smith, who was all over Ekman Larson. We saw a lot of heart. Uh, and toughness doesn't always mean size, right? It's, yeah. you know, this is clearly a group that. Um, is already standing up for each other, you know, only three games into the season, which is great to see, um, you know, uh, and they looked like a team that is ready to compete and they dominated this game, by the way, oh. the shots were, I think 41 to 21 yep. uh, shots in the third period, 23 to six for Vancouver <laughs> down a goal, down a goal. And they said, you know what, we're just going to, we're just going to come out firing. And they absolutely did that. Um, which I, you know, you love to see that you love to see the battle level after kind of an iffy first period, a second period that you probably played better in, but still come out down one then to come out in the third and be like, you know what, this is a team we should beat. Let's go out and beat them. And they got goalied. What can you say? Um, yeah. but it's still a great effort that night. And having said that, if, um, Thomas Grice was two inches more forward, we, it would have been a tie game when Rathbone scored uh, mm -hmm. with Tom, when Niels Huglander just kind of brushing. It, it was properly called because Grice was in his crease still, but if he was yep. one inch ahead, that's a tying goal. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that was one that had a lot of flack brought up about the whole goalie interference thing, and I, I think it was goalie interference. If that had happened to us, if that had happened to the Canucks and someone clipped Demko's head skating by and then the puck goes in, we'd be furious, right? Furious. So I was not upset with that call. The ref had to call that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a great game. And yeah, if Thomas Grice played like an average goaltender that night, it's probably a five, uh, five, two or four, two game. Uh, yeah. and the Canucks would have had five points, uh, out of a possible six, which would be excellent. But right now they are squarely at 500, uh, yeah. out of a possible three points out of a possible six, three points in three games, uh, which, you know, starting the season on a six game road trip, you'd like to have more, but I think if the Canucks came out of this road trip with seven or eight points in six nights, which, which is definitely possible, you look at that as a win. Yes, I agree. And even if they only get five or six points, I've always said, if you can go 500 on the road, if you can get 41 points in 41 games, right? To keep that 41 in your head. And if you can win two thirds of your games at home, which I think is reasonable, let's say you win 27 of the 41, 27 times two is 54, 54 of 41. There's your 95 points to get in the playoffs. So for me, Yes, you kind of want to see them get more than five. I hear what you're saying, G given the low quality of teams, supposedly, that we're playing. But yeah, you want to be at least 500 on the road to give you a fighting chance to get in the playoffs. And we're there right now, and maybe we go above 500 tomorrow with two points in Buffalo. We'll see. Right, and I think you can look at this last game, especially, uh, where they didn't get any points, and you can look at it. You know, it's a bit early in the season to be saying moral victories, but look, they, they got out and they, they dominated a team that they should dominate. At this point in the season, uh, at this point in both teams' trajectories, uh, which you know, you're some nights you're just not going to get the points. The Canucks are going to win some games that they don't deserve to throughout the season as well. It happens. It's hockey. Scores are so low that luck, you know, plays into it occasionally. Uh, you'll get the occasional one nothing two two one game, right? Like the game against Philadelphia, the Canucks scored three weird goals that they probably shouldn't have. Uh, that is what earned them the two points there. So things give and take throughout the season. Now, are we going to talk about the actual title of our episode as one of the banners, or should we address it right now real quick? Or is that... Sure, yeah. I mean, we, we've titled this episode A Promising Start with Meh Results is the actual title, which I think is fair. And then the thumbnail, I think, said three games in, is this a playoff team, basically. So from what you have seen from these three games, are you has your opinion changed 
at all? Is it has it gone up? Has it gone down? What sort? What's your sort of stock ticker doing right now? Yeah, my stock ticker is it's where I thought they'd be, and that is a playoff team. I think uh, obviously they're going to need more than five hundred to make the playoffs, but we we just talked about that math. I think actually our defense has been way better than people were worried about, better than I expected. Our offense, you know, you only score one and you score two the night before. The, I mean, the first night. I think our offense is still needs to find its way. The power play still needs to find its way. But I think Brock Besser can help with with those two categories, right? With the offense and with mm-hmm. the power play. So overall, I, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. You you make a great point, Parker, that they played in three home openers um, against in visiting arenas. So I'm I'm actually fine. I'm calm. I'm good, and I'm confident. Quietly confident. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic at this point, right? I, I don't think my stock uh, has really changed. Uh, you know, looking at these three games, uh, they're games that uh, I think they played the way I expected to. You look at this Detroit game, right? A guy like Brock Besser is an absolute game changer there, right? You can't, you just can't beat this goalie. Well, the guy most likely to beat that goalie <laughs> wasn't in the lineup that night, right? We could be talking about a whole different game if Brock Besser is on the power play there instead of. You know whether it's Chase on or or whoever you uh, you bump down to unit two, uh, we should get Brock Besser back. We'll get a little bit more into that later on. Now, uh, sort of a new segment that we didn't really talk about, but not really a, a crazy segment. I just want to I want to know of the week who are your stars of the week for the Ooh. Vancouver Canucks. It doesn't have to be three. It doesn't have to be one, five, whatever. Who impressed you this week? Who did you watch in these three games and say, you know what, they did better than I expected. Well, I'm going to name three. I know it's traditional to name three stars, and you just said we don't have to, but I'm going to go with JT Miller. He's leading the the team in scoring. I think he's got four four points in three games already, right? Uh, three of them so, yeah. came in. Three of them came in one game, the same game that he scored the the shootout winner. So I've been impressed with Miller. Travis Green loves him. We know that. In fact, it looks like Miller may start at center tomorrow. But I, I've been impressed with him, and I'm actually going to pick the two uh, new guys from Arizona. I think that. Connor Garland is a beast. Uh, we saw that. Uh, and he was single-handedly having the whole Red Wings team chase him around the ice. And I think uh, Ekman Larson has been solid. He's been way more aggressive than I thought he was. But then it was funny, Parker. I remember because I, I filmed it. I put it on YouTube when the Sedin scored in their final home game. You might remember it was a, it was a power play in overtime. Mm-hmm. And right off the draw, I remember Richardson got waved off. So Horvat took the draw against Ekman Larson. And I should remember this. Horvat won the draw because remember the Vancouver didn't give up the puck for that whole two minutes. Yeah, Ekman Larson was just like cross checking, cross checking, <laughs> cross checking, and then at the time I was like, "This guy's a jerk or aggressive." So it's, I shouldn't be surprised that he's actually showing a bit of a mean streak. I love it. I love it, and I think he's thriving in a hockey market now, and I I have no worries about him. And then I I, I want to give some love to Pullman. I know a lot of people have been talking about him in the chat. He's you know we don't expect big things like from Ekman Larson. But I think Pullman's been great too. But if I had to pick three, I'll go Miller, Garland, and Ekman Larson. Yeah, I I agree there. Um, mine were uh, my first one was Tyler Myers strictly for the hit on Duncan Keith. <laughs> uh, beautiful clean check right to the chest that left him bleeding. Like it was, it was just it was it was picturesque. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, I have Connor Garland on my list, and again, there's the clear skill we've seen. Uh, he's got a great shot. His skating, his edge work is fantastic. Uh, he's always, he's just, he's a spinster out there. He's always just like doing little cuts against the wall, constantly cutting back and forth, finding open space, always trying to make people miss. And then the physicality and the heart aspect too. He is like the, the perfect player for a fan base to love. He's got the skill. He's got the heart. Uh, he's got the physicality, uh, even with his small frame. Uh, so I really like Garland, uh, OEL. I also had on my list just because, you know, he's been, he's been better than I expected him to be again, long contract, a lot to live up to, um, but a, a very good start. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to pod Colson for that goal, right. To go out, yeah. um, score, uh, his first of the year on a heavy shot, a really good shot. And then to basically not see the ice for the rest of the game. But, um, <laughs> which I, I wasn't too critical of, but uh, everything yeah. we've heard out of Vasily Podkolzin is that he just loves hockey and he's happy to be there and he's always going to work hard, uh, which I'm very, very excited for. And Parker, wouldn't you agree that these three games combined, overall entertainment value, almost only in these three games, has basically surpassed last season? I think so, yeah. The first game was very entertaining. The The Flyers game was crazy. 
uh, and the third, especially the third period of the Red Wings game, where we had all the all the drama, the Canucks trying to get a goal. That again, I, I mentioned this. I think it was on on your on your twenty four hour stream when I stepped on. Just that yes. feeling of my heart like sinking in my chest and the excitement and like me standing up and pacing in my room that I haven't had in a long time. Uh, it's good to have that feeling back, and these games have brought that in spades. Yes, uh, and and there's uh, we read your comments, even though we're trying to focus on each other and and show attentive listening skills. We see your comments. Yes, uh, I know Botch guy said don't Miller points don't always, uh, you know, tell the story. But I, I still think JT Miller has been a great leader already. Quietly, him and OEL are the new uh, alternate captains. We saw that, which is kind of cool. Uh, some love for Kyle Burrows, kind of stepping in. Jack Rathbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people saying Huglander, some people saying Demko. Yeah, of course we we could name all twenty skaters if you want, but you know we got to try and narrow it down a little bit. But we see those comments, and it just shows shows us that you guys are excited about this team, which is awesome. Yeah, there haven't been a lot of people that have been uh, that we've seen negatively, but your unstars of the week. <laughs> I was trying to think of something fun. Um, was there anyone that you saw in these first three games? Without being too negative, uh, that didn't live up to uh, the hype so far. Yeah, whether you call it hype or just, uh, I think Highmore has been very quiet, and we're not expecting him to to you know to light up the the lamp, so to speak. But I I get that uh, the bottom six is going to be very fluid. Uh, Lamico's had had uh, you know a couple spurts, but also kind of a couple nondescript shifts as well. Sure, they can't make something happen every single play. So if I, you know, even Dickinson, I, I can't. I'm waiting to see what Dickinson can bring. Um, so maybe it's those two guys, and what do you call it? Unstars, falling stars, shooting, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys. Maybe I'll put it like I want to see more from them. But it's yeah, only three, that's three games in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm kind of the. I've kind of thought the same on Dickinson so far. I haven't seen anything negative from him. Uh, but you know, I want to see more. Um, Chase on has sort of been the easy scapegoat. Um, so far we had, uh, the goal, uh, the Puliyarvi goal in the Oilers game that kind of started with chase on leaving his man early. Um, and you know, obviously we see him on the first power play and things aren't really getting done except of course, for the game against the flyers where they get that sort of, he gets that sort of fluky goal, uh, off of his leg to go in. But, um, those are sort of the easy picks and you know, you're taking Brock Besser's spot. It's going to be hard to impress everyone, but then we've seen Travis green go and mix things up and move him farther down the lineup, move Hoaglander up, Pud Colson up, uh, at least temporarily and, and all this stuff. So, um, I, I haven't seen anything too, too concerning. Yes. Yeah. I just looked up some stats. I, I confirming that chase on indeed has two points, but I was going to ask you, Parker, it's really interesting. Plus minus isn't the whole end all and be all. We know that. But there's only three Canucks players that are plus players, okay? Hmm. And and they're all three of them are forwards. So I want you to guess who they are, and I'll tell you none of them are quote superstars. So I'll give you that hint. Okay. Well, thinking of the games, right? Um, guys like Pedersen, I think have only been out there for. I, I think there was the one goal. There was the, the like they two of the goals against the Flyers were power play goals. Um, so I'm gonna go with Connor Garland. And Pod Colson and Pearson. Not bad. So you got you got Pod Colson right. So uh, think of another young guy. Hoaglander? Yeah. So Hoaglander's plus two. He doesn't even Pod have Colson. a point, does he? Oh, he has oh he has two uh, assists. He got two <laughs> yeah. assists in the first game. Pod Colson's plus one. And the guy whose name I can't pronounce. Lamico? Yeah, he's a plus Interesting. one. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that's interesting to hear for sure. And we'll get one more quick topic in before our ad read. We'll go to Brock Besser. Looks like he's going to be back. Uh, We saw him skating in the top six today. I don't have the lines pulled up right now, but the other big thing about it was that JT Miller is down as the third line center. Yeah. What's your take here? Well, I'll give you the lines, Parker, and then you can do the first reaction for this one. Um, It was indeed... Pedersen uh, with uh, Besser and Hoglander on the top line. Horvat Pearson Garland at number two. Miller with Pod Colson and Dowling as three. And then Dickinson, Lamico, and Highmore as four. What says you? Yeah, so the, the Miller one's the interesting one, right? Uh, being the third line center. And because, you know, you know me, I'd like to see Pearson maybe down on that third line. If you wanted to stack the top two lines, you would move uh, Pearson down and you would, I, 
I still want to see the lotto line together. Of course, I want to see yeah. Miller, Pedersen, Besser. However, Hoaglander has been really good. Uh, and then like Miller, Horvat, and Garland just seems like such a hard battling line. Um, however, that also would make me think, okay, well, maybe do Miller, uh, like lotto line, and then Hoaglander with Horvat and Garland would be really fun yeah. too. Um, and it seems like they're trying to sort of spread the love, right? You got Pedersen, Besser on the top uh, with Hoaglander. You got Horvat, Garland on the second pair. Uh, and then you would have Miller Pod Colson as your as your third sort of offensive options. My worry is just, you know, you sort of I'm not gonna say hamstring, but you put Miller and Pod Colson with a guy like Dowling, who doesn't maybe doesn't have that offensive upside, and that might worry me a little bit. Yeah, I love what you said. And it's kind of like the three lines that you and I were kind of hoping for back in, in August and September, right? It was Lotto, it was uh, Horvat with the two smaller guys, smaller in Garland and Hoaglander, and then the the two Ps with Dickinson, right? Pearson and Paul Colson. Maybe they're going to get to them there eventually, but it seems like he's trying every combination except that one. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that the Lotto line hasn't been thrown together yet. Uh, again, it's the first uh, practice with Besser back in the top six role, not as an extra uh, with Patan now being an extra. Also, uh, also of note, uh, Chason was an extra in practice today, right? Uh, with uh, with Besser coming back in, he was the one that got taken out instead of a guy like Dowling or Lamico or Highmore. Uh, Chason was the one to get thrown down. Yeah, so Besser comes in, uh, likely Chason comes out, obviously, and then Patan's still kind of on the outside looking in. Now it's going to be harder for him to get in because now there's an extra, another body in front of him. So we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break here, uh, and I'm going to say that support for Canucks After Dark is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in below-the-waist grooming, the champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Exclusive offer just for you guys, 20% off, free worldwide shipping with the code CAD, Canucks After Dark, uh, CAD at manscaped.com. So they sent us over a bunch of awesome stuff. It was called their Perfect Package. Uh, it comes with these two aftercare products. You've got Crop Preserver. It's like a deodorant. Crop Reviver. It's like an aftershave. You got some shaving mats uh, and a really nice travel bag uh, for all your, all your bathroom toiletries and stuff. So of course, Lawnmower 4.0, the full body trimmer. This has genuinely impressed me. Uh, it's got a light. You got it running. You got a little light on there. You can see what you're doing. It's waterproof. It's great. And if you buy anything from their site with our code CAD, makes us look good. It helps us out, and you get a darn good product in return. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAD at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, and use code CAD. Unlock your confidence, and you always use the right tools for the job with manscaped all right no we... stutters no word whiskers parker that was awesome man yeah we've got our first sponsor guys so go check them out uh thank you again manscaped for hooking us up and let's go uh do you want to go back anything else you want to talk about with uh with the lineup here well, just before I do that, um, I want to say that was an awesome read. We are we are grateful that we have sponsors now. This could be the first of many. Um, and uh, I haven't opened mine yet. <laughs> Don't show your address, but yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Thank you, thank you. I haven't opened mine yet. Sean, my my eldest son, was joking around about opening and not trying it, but opening it up on my stream. But we decided not to. But we'll we'll do that soon. So absolutely, I can vouch awesome. for it so far. <laughs> Uh, let's go into then, um, what's coming up for the Vancouver Canucks. And that is the rest of this three game road trip before our next show. So that is Buffalo, Chicago, and Seattle. And from what we've seen, Buffalo is overachieving, but they're still Buffalo. Chicago has looked like they're hanging Marc-Andre Fleury out to dry. Seattle truly is looking like an expansion team. These are three very winnable games to end this road trip. There are, and, and Parker, I, I just so I can I can focus again. Can you put Agam's comment up? Because it's a, it's props to you, brother. It's props to you. Yeah, Agam's saying that I'm much more mature. Trust me, I I did this read like ten times before the show to make sure I was good. <laughs> and Park Parker is like half my age and he's more mature look i'm still giggling because we joked around about who was going to read this who was going to do this and parker like within two seconds says i'll do it you, there's no way you can do it clay yeah. <laughs> we'll get you to do the next one it will okay be, fine. It, it'll be funny 
Uh, yeah, so we got these three games coming to wrap. Yeah, yeah, Buffalo, it's interesting. They've only played a couple. Who knows? They don't even need Jack Eichel apparently to win. Um, we should be able to beat Seattle, and I, I really want us to stomp Seattle. And who knows about Chicago? They got all these old guys. They got all these young guys. They got all these new guys. But yeah, we got to get, if we can take two of these wins, and you're right, come back with seven points, that'll be awesome. That'll yeah, awesome. I think there's. I'm, you know, look, I'm not saying must win, right? <laughs> like, look, we're we're gonna be six games into the season here. It's not must win, but looking back, you know, or looking ahead at the end of the season, all the predictions are the Canucks are gonna be just short of the playoffs, or they're gonna sneak their way in, right? The Canucks are going to be a team that needs every point they can get. So, if they let's, you know, they let's say they're they're at the end of the playoff race, and maybe they're a point out of the playoffs. You're, these are the types of games you look back on and say, we took on, we had a game, we had games against Buffalo, Chicago, and Seattle early in the season, three teams that didn't look good. They're games that, they're points that you can't afford to give up throughout the season. I know I don't want to put, again, too much weight on these, but these are the types of games that playoff teams go out and win. Um, the Seattle game is the only one I'm really worried about. Uh, and that is, again, home, literally the home opener, the first ever game at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, in a brand new rivalry where Canucks fans can't travel yet. So it's going to be basically all Kraken fans. It's going to be absolutely nuts in there. Uh, that's a game I'm a little worried about, but if the Canucks can go in there and steal the show, and especially if they can dominate, that could be a really, really good boost in momentum before coming back home against the Wild. Great point. It does two things. It sets you up for a, an action-packed home opener, a lot of anticipation, momentum, whatever word you want to use. And you're right, it just kind of fires the first shot in the battle against Seattle. I think the next time we play them is then December here, right? That's how it goes. Them sure, and I haven't looked. Me neither. Uh, I think so. I think so. We'll go with December. That is right. December 27th. Okay. And then what happens? We don't... Then we go well, back there? Well, the Canucks play the Kraken. Do they only play them three times all season? That seems low. But according to... I'm just looking at Google. I typed in Canucks Kraken. There's only three games that come up. Uh, and that is October 23rd, which is this one coming up, then December 27th and January 1st. So basically two games in five days. I feel like they must have another one uh, later on uh, as well. Yeah, that might be right, though. I think we play all the teams four times, but there's two Pacific teams. We only play three times, but it might not be them. Oh, I thought it was LA. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Either way. Yes. So um, let's go with taking two of the next three games and coming back with seven. I think that'll be amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I agree there. Yeah. They do only play them three times. Um, well, Justin said there's done. one, Justin oh, said no, there's, there's one, one April, April 26th, April 26th okay. as well. My, uh, my Google find did not work. Awesome. So um, four games. Yeah. Yeah. Four times against them. And yeah, you know, Oh yeah. I remember. Cause that was one of our poll questions uh, that we asked was how many games you think the Canucks winning against Seattle. Almost everyone said three. Uh, and this <laughs> is going to be a great way to start that. And yeah, uh, I think the Kraken lost like 6-1, didn't they? Yeah, uh, yeah they lost 6-1 to the Flyers tonight, who the Canucks, you know, sort of hung with a couple of days ago. They lost to the Blue Jackets 2-1. They lost to the Golden Knights 4-3, and they beat the Predators 4-3. So okay. they are. They also they have three points as well, but they have played four games thus good, far. Good. And Chronic Hands does confirm that Kings and Sharks are the only teams we play three times. The other five opponents we play four times. Thank you for that. Good. Very, very interesting. Um, all right. So going into Buffalo, Chicago, Seattle, uh, what's your worry, right? If, if like, what's your, you know, going into these three games, do you think any of these could be sort of like a trap game, especially like the Buffalo, Chicago ones? Uh, Buffalo, I think they're going to be uh, bolstered by, if it is the Besser's first game, I think really they're going to be not only uh, energized from Detroit and two days off, right? Not just one or two days in between. They're, they're not like not doing anything. Uh, I think Chicago might be the, the tricky one because that's the second to last game of the road trip. You know, they're going to be up for Seattle because not only our first game against Seattle, but on literally on their way home, I think Chicago would be the one that would be a little tricky, kind of like one of those sleepy midweek games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Seattle, Seattle Saturday night, right? You got to get up for those games. Yeah. Saturday night, brand new arena, brand yeah. new team, uh, new fans. It's going to be crazy. Um, let's move on then to our don't do that's folks, get your don't do that's in, uh, for those of you who are new, we do have a hundred people in here. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Oh, awesome. Um, don't do that is basically a thing that you shouldn't do, right? Uh, you know, uh, giving up a two goal lead with three minutes to go against the flyers. Don't do that, uh, yeah. which the Canucks did, but still getting the two points out of that. 
uh, you could say is him like getting shut out by Thomas Grice or yeah. um, uh, faking a COVID vaccination card and then oh, getting yeah. suspended for 21 games like Evander yeah. Kane did, uh, which some people are saying might be literally a crime. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, uh, I got, so, I got one. I got sure. one. Uh, falling asleep while trying your manscape tools for the first time. Uh, you know that don't do that. I don't, is that something that's happened? <laughs> no, no, well, no, not for me, but I, I, it could happen. Okay. Well, yeah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> not checking out our sponsor manscape. Don't do that. There you go. Um, let's see what you guys have to say. Um, we have Justin saying, I think trying to say not or avoiding, not avoiding three point games in divisional matchups. Yeah, that, that is definitely something to watch, right? If the Canucks are going against the Kraken, you know, you don't want three points coming out of these games when it could come down to things near the end of the season. Botchka. <laughs> Demonstrating Manscaped on live stream. Don't do that. Yeah, that's not something we're planning on doing. Um, it's a it's full body, too. You know, you can you can get your arms trimmed up, your legs trimmed up. Uh-oh, oh, Parker, I'm getting a little giggly. <laughs> uh lucas saying not talking about abbotsford don't do that yeah we uh we haven't really hit on abbotsford they are uh that was one of my topics was uh danilo klimovich two goals two games uh to start his ahl campaign and i think the the abbotsford canucks are one and one so far is that right yes or do they do they play again yesterday and uh, lose we should know this but i think they're we one and one know this we're bad fans uh they won yesterday no uh, was that their first win? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It was their first franchise okay, win so ever. They yeah, have yeah. only played two games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. They're one and there one. You go. I, I said I, it perfectly. Let's go time for hockey. Injuring your collarbone um, in the last five minutes of your hockey game. Don't do that. I, if that's you, I feel we feel bad for you, man. That sounds rough. And I want to um, give some love to, can we give some love to Coach Rob who works hard? He's YouTubing as well. Yeah, not checking out my Victoria Royals recaps on YouTube. Don't do that. Coach Rob, we want to support you. Keep up the good work. Uh, Absolutely. Feeling a nice niche there, so that's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, C-Edits losing to the Kraken. Don't do that. <laughs> we can all agree there. Um, uh, Quatrob, I don't know how to pronounce that. Quattro B, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, shooting the puck directly at a goalie on grade A opportunities. Don't do that. I mean, that's, that's part of it, but Thomas Grice was fantastic uh, yeah. in that yeah. one game. Absolutely. There's a loopy clay. Don't do that. I think I saw that somewhere. Uh, Justin I, saying that your loopy clay is making oh, an appearance. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for your don't do that's one last one. Charms getting shut out by Craig Anderson. Uh, don't do that. He's still, he's still playing. Eh? He still is. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. he's going to be like 42. He's got less hair than I do, which is almost impossible. That yeah. is impressive. He's 40. I thought he was <laughs> older than that. Um, but Hey, you know, very young still. Um, I forgot to have the don't do that banner up, but there you go. Uh, my next topic was going to be Klimovich has two goals in two games, uh, but we did kind of touch on that. Uh, anything else on the AHL side interesting you so far? Well, that Klimovich one's interesting because did you hear see that story about Dollywall saying now his Q, uh, his Quebec mm -hmm. major junior team might look at trading him and then yeah, I yeah. saw some people saying that, uh, I guess because in the CHL you can have two import players that aren't Canadian, I guess. Mm. Um, so I guess they, that team, uh, ruin Naranda, they want to get rid of him, uh, potentially because either a, they don't think he's going to come back to the QMJHL, which might be right. a fair guess considering he started really well. So try to get maybe some assets for him for a team that maybe is banking on him, uh, him playing, uh, in CHL games. Yeah. Um, and then that way, you know, it gives them some flexibility if, cause I think if the Canucks were to send him to the QMJHL, then they would have too many import players and they'd have to get rid of one. Um, okay. is kind of part of it. So I think that might be some of the motivation. Yeah, free up a spot, right? That makes sense. And as many people are saying, um, it might be a moot point anyways, because if he continues to play well, he might not even get a sniff of the queue. They just keep him in, in Abbotsford. And even as a, a Canucks potential call-up, that would be crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, think, uh, I think he stays in Abbotsford. I think once he plays a game in the CHL, I don't think he can play in the AHL until like April again because uh, oh. of the whole like 19 year old rule or whatever um so that is also maybe a reason to keep him in the ahl where he uh where he stays you're right there's all these rules right depending on what league you come from or if you're coming from the russian it's league or so Belarusian league, it, it's really weird yeah. yeah yeah all these agreements between the nhl and all these other developmental leagues yes. um 
with that, we're going to uh, typically our last 15 minutes. We ask uh, for your questions, whatever you guys want to talk about, any topics we're going to miss. But before that, our haiku corner, uh, where both of us come prepared with a haiku on how we're feeling about the team. Clay, why don't you kick us off here? Sure. And I know you noticed, I, I, it's not as cool as your don't do that shirt, but I got my sushi roll. This is how I That's roll. Great. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because haiku is a Japanese poem. So I'll go like this. <clears throat> Garland is a beast. Besser is set to return. Let the scoring start. Thank you. I love Thank it. You. Thank you. Thank I love you. it. Thank you. Golf claps. Golf claps. Thank you. Thank you. That, Thank I think you. that's a haiku tradition, right? The golf clap afterwards. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, mine is three games in the books. Middle of a six-game trip. Five hundred ain't bad. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Um, You're all right. Honorary, honorary Japanese man. Very good. Well, <laughs> uh, time to get into our Q&A segment. If you guys have any topics that we haven't hit on over the last 45 minutes, uh, any fun questions, they can be hockey-related. Typically, we'll, we'll focus on the hockey-related ones at least for the first 10 minutes or so or whatever other random questions you have. Uh, this is your chance to ask them, and, uh, and we will address those here. I haven't been reading the comments for the last couple of minutes. Do you, want to, uh, do you have any you wanted to grab here? We're right off the bat. I actually like Lucas's thoughts on develop a thing of Canucks after dark for Abbotsford. How about down on the farm? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, I think um, I know Cody Severtson does a really good uh, Comets Harvest uh, article that he does after every Comets game. Maybe he'll maybe we'll reach out to him, see if we can get him on, you know, mid season for like an Abbotsford Canucks update. Uh, maybe something like that or get someone in for an update. I haven't watched any of the games. I'm I, I'm not paying for AHL TV. I'm sorry. I'm not paying. Yeah. The, I think it's like 70 bucks a year to just get one team. Uh, I think it's US dollars, too. It's a little even with all this manscaped money, you know, it's a little it's a little much uh, a little much for us. So uh, might might definitely, you know, I, I'm planning on trying to get out to a couple of games this year for sure. Maybe soon. I haven't even looked at tickets, but mm -hmm. I know every seat in there is a good one. So. Uh, might be something that we'll touch on in the future for sure. Absolutely. And we know that people are, are interested. So our, and we've talked about this, Parker and I talk about this offline all the time is our challenges. We want to give, we want to honor that team, part of a big part of this organization, yet our bread and butter and what we know more of admittedly is the, the big club, right? So mm. um, whether that forces us to learn more about Abbotsford or leave that to the Abbotsford experts so we can position ourselves as semi-canucks experts that's something we got to talk about but thank you that's great mm -hmm. feedback yeah and another part of it's just time right we, we both yes. have day jobs we're both watching all 82 canucks games this year we're both doing some sort of coverage for all of them whether it's me doing a post-game live stream or you doing a video and then you're two live streams a week and then we have this show on mondays and it gets a, it can be a lot uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff to to follow so um i'm gonna sort of casually follow abbotsford and uh we'll we'll get some experts in uh maybe for some coverage there a lot of great questions, Parker. Just put one up there, and let's just start talking about it. Well, let's start it. with a fun one. Botch guy, what are you dressing up as for Halloween? I'm going as a good-looking Asian dad, so no costume required. I also have no costume. There's a spirit Halloween so close to me, and uh, and I was going to go like a month ago, and I never did, and it's probably too late now. Everything there is probably kind of trash, so uh, probably nothing this year. Do the guys play on a... Halloween? Uh, Sunday night? I don't think so. Good. That means I don't have to be dressed up for my show. Perfect. Have you ever done a good, like what's your best Halloween costume ever? Or at least a uh, when I was like two years old, I was Mike Wazowski from Monsters Inc. And I think, <laughs> I think I peaked right there. Wow. That that's not bad. I think my best uh, was probably as a housewife. Did the curlers wore the, mm. wore the house coat makeup and a broom or whatever, not to be sexist. That's what I thought a housewife <laughs> was at the time. Yeah. <laughs> A little risky <laughs> house husband <laughs> maybe uh <laughs> yeah you know um yeah. let's see here um wow there's so many questions you guys are That's killing it here uh Noah wants our thoughts on tucker pullman so far we kind of touched on tucker earlier but i mean again he, he's sort of flying under the radar but i think he hasn't looked bad he i think he has sort of been exactly as advertised yeah he you with when you play with quinn hughes you need to be a stay-at-home defenseman you can't be i almost said stay at home dad or stay at home mom you need to be a stay at home defenseman and he's he's i think done that well i think he's done that really well actually he he's been covering for hughes not that Hughes made any horrible gaffes but um i think he's great i think he's solid and he's he's not afraid to mix it up he's a decent skater i, I he's been fine he's been fine 
Yeah, I, I'm in the exact same boat. Uh, Kango711, yeah. why did Puck Colson get benched after scoring his first goal? Uh, do you want to take this one or do you want me to take this one? Uh, I'm happy to start it off and if you want to fill it in. Absolutely. Um, it has nothing to do with his celebration or punishing him for scoring. Travis Green it, hates fun. <laughs> it had everything to do with the situation. The Canucks were up, but they basically got up two goals. And when you get to the third period, you shrink your bench down from four lines to three. That means only nine guys play, not 12. And you basically take your, your nine best defensive guys who can still score, but can play defense as well. This was Pod Colson's second ever NHL game. He hasn't earned Travis Green's trust yet to defend a lead. So I think that's understood. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, that didn't, I didn't mean to come up like that. I think that's the thinking. Yeah, I think both of us had the exact same take when it happened. And I, I know in my post-game show, there was a ton of people who were like, ah, Pod Colson didn't play and the Canucks blew a lead. And it's like, well, in that scenario... Yeah, there. Sure, you have a game tomorrow night, uh, and but that's not the worry right now. You're the thing is you are in position to win a game. You're up two goals, twenty minutes to play. You're putting your best players on the ice. If you, all of if Quinn Hughes has to play twenty seven minutes, if you know all these other players have to play ten minutes of the third period because it's your best chance of winning this game, then you do it right. Uh, a couple extra shifts for each player isn't going to kill them. Well, however, if you had three lines for the whole game, they'd be exhausted. So you overwork your guys a little bit. Uh, in the third period because they're your best players are the guys you trust. Uh, and look, th this conversation is entirely different. That game never goes to overtime if Horvat hits the net on that uh, on that long clear or Highmore has an extra step and beats the icing, right? Uh, Canucks still win it in a shootout. I think it's fine. Paul Colson is going to get 10 minutes a night for a while, same as Bo Horvat did seven years ago, right? Uh, the Canucks aren't going to rush him. There's no need to rush him. Uh, don't rush the Russian. I don't know. I, he'll be fine. <laughs> Nicely done. Don't rush the Russian. Uh, anyone you want to pick here? Or should I just keep going through the list? Keep keep going. Uh, Soja asking about JT Miller. Is it just me or does JT Miller look a little off? I don't know. Maybe I, I just I just like him a lot as a player. I Same. really do. And um, he he does still try and force those <laughs> those those passes from his own end. It's not the best, but and I'm not excusing it. But it's it's not a surprise yet either. He's probably good for one of those a night. Yeah, as long as they don't score, I guess it's it's a little better than if they do score. But it, it, I think he does more good than bad for sure. So I I kind of take it with. It looks it looks like he's been fighting the puck a little bit, uh, and and lots of people get into these phases where you know the puck just keeps bouncing off your stick and and you're gripping the stick a little too hard, as they say, and it, things just don't work. Uh, and I'm not too concerned. Look, for him not produce or like looking a little bit off and still putting up four points in in three games. Uh, that that's the best slump you can have, I guess. Uh, and yes. if he's only going to get better, sign me up. Yes. Happy with that. Um, I'm just going to scroll here. Uh, oh, my whole thing skipped a little bit. Scrolling, scrolling. Oh, Justin, uh, bring up the Matthew Kachuk penalty that he got on the delay of game. Did you see this? No, tell me about it. So basically, the Flames were taking a delay of game penalty. One of their defensemen shot the puck over the bench, over the glass. So what Matthew Kachuk does, as he sees it flying over his head, about to be a delay of game penalty, he jumps up, two hands on his stick, and swats it out of the air to keep it from going over the glass. And the, he still got a penalty for it. Uh, like, they still got a delay of game penalty for it because it was going to go over the glass. But it was an excellent save, and I don't think it should have counted. Oh, he was on the bench, you mean? He was on the bench. Yeah, the puck was going over, and he stood up on the bench and, and kept it from going over the glass. It was an excellent that, play. That's great hand-eye coordination. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, they, they still gave him a penalty. So. Okay, fair enough. Fair Either enough, way. Fair enough. Um, let's see here. Going to keep scrolling. Going to keep scrolling. Um, wow, there's so many. There's so many things. I'm trying to pick the, trying to pick the best ones. Um, Botch guy with an interesting one on JT Miller. And I think we touched on this during your stream as well. Um, do you think the Canucks will be forced to trade JT Miller after this season? He's got this year and the next on his contract, right? That's correct. He's two more years. Yeah. So two more years, including this one on his contract. Um, and then, you know, he's going to be, I think 29, 30 years old. Um, do you trade him now or trade him, you know, in the off season while his value is high and try to use that cap space somewhere else? Or, uh, do you see him as a true part of this core for the next four? three, four, five years. 
You know, that, that's such a fascinating question. They have the cap space. I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, I've seen projections from a, a smarter guy than me named Harm Dial of The Athletic, and he's he's kind of projected out that we will have the cap space to sign both Besser this year and then Horvat Miller the year after that. But that doesn't mean just because you have cap space that you should keep them. I really think if, if you're think that you're a playoff team next year as well, you're likely not going to improve your team by trading him. Maybe I'm yeah. being kind of a little uh, short-sighted here, but I would love for them to keep him. Because if you trade him, guess what? You're going to look for a top-line winger, right? You're just trying so, to replace him. And if you're trying to yeah. replace him with someone younger, the cost is going to be higher. Um, yeah. yeah, look, he's going to be making $5.25 million next year. And if that's your competing year, if that's the year they're trying to go all in, uh, then yeah, you want JT Miller making 525 being yes. either on your first line wing or jumping around and playing third line center or second line wing or wherever they need him to be. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're going to go all in uh, and you might be trying to get rentals anyways, well, JT Miller is probably a, a really good rental for one year. And then you can still go out and try to sign him afterwards. And uh, whether the price would have to go up, hopefully it wouldn't be too long term a deal with him being, you know, 28, 29, 30, I guess 30 when 29, when the deal's done, I guess. No, it'd be 30 mm. when the deal's done. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of a balancing act there. What's interesting too, is that obviously contract was signed with, with Tampa, not with us, but if you have him at five, two, five, you have Garland at four, nine, five, you have Bo at just at 5.3 or whatever he's making for next season. Those are, those are potentially top line guys that are making second line money. That's yeah. good. That's yeah, really that's, good. That's where value is. And with the Canucks having the second highest paid defense in the NHL, you got to make the saving somewhere. And if you can have your top guys making that little money, and I think the Canucks, I mean, if you look at the Canucks sort of bottom six, all the guys that are making like a million dollars or less, that's very huge, right? You don't have Beagle making three, Roussel making three, Erickson making six, uh, Sutter making four and a half, right? Having these guys or having other guys that are similar making a million dollars, less than a million dollars, it, it really frees up that money to, to maneuver at least a little bit. Yes. Can you please put up James's question about six up about OEL and Hughes on power play one? So my question is, yeah, I want to ask you two questions, Parker is, would you ever try these two on the same unit? Or do you think the first unit should be at four forwards, one D? And the second question is, if you only had one of these guys, which of these two guys would you actually put on your first power play unit? I think the Canucks have enough good forwards that you don't, that having both of these guys doesn't matter a lot. And it really depends on how they would want to, I think if you had both of them on the power on the same power play, they would have to change their entire power play style, right? Mm. The Canucks have stuck with the umbrella for a long time. And that is one guy at the top, two guys on the boards, and then one in front and one sort of in the bumper down low. Uh, if you have, you know, your the goal is you're gonna have the guy at the top being the quarterback, whether that's OEL, whether that's Hughes, whether it's Myers sometimes. Um and then he has basically two guys to feed for shots, and then they can go down low if need be. Hmm. But if you were to replace like Besser on one wall with OEL and move Besser down low, or you know move Pedersen somewhere, it doesn't really work with that style of power play. If they change it up a bit, and I don't know exactly what they change it to, but that could maybe have a different look. But I think when you have guys like Pedersen, Besser, Garland, Miller, Horvat, you have enough options to put a lot of firepower on that top line. And all you're looking for from a defenseman is a guy who can get a shot through if need be like OEL and Hughes both can. And a guy who can make good passes in the wheelhouse of your guys along the wall um, to get shots through uh, and to get hard shots, scoring chances on net. So I don't really see them. I don't really see putting them together as something that's going to happen. Um, however, it's definitely an interesting conversation. And what's interesting at practice day, they, well, Hughes got a maintenance day. So Ekman Larson played on the top unit with the big four of Miller, Pedersen, Horvat, and Besser. And then on the second unit, it was actually Hunt filling in for Hughes. So it was basically Hunt slash Hughes, Rathbone. So two defensemen and then Hoglander with uh, Garland and Pearson. So the second unit had three, yeah, three forwards and two D. Yeah. You see this sometimes with some teams too, because Lots of the time, power play one is going to get the first like 90 seconds of a power play, mm. ideally, right? Uh, and then that second power play unit is going to get the last 30, and they're going to get the guy coming out of the box. Mm. So lots of times you will see, you know, a team go two defensemen uh, for that second power play unit because you're not that likely to score in that last 30 seconds. Anyways, you have worse players on the ice. Uh, so you, 
excuse me, you're going to structure it more as like a regular five man unit. And then when right. the guy comes out of the box, you still have a regular line 2D out there. You're not stuck with four forwards, which can be a little bit scary. Um, if you have to have like Pud Colson coming back to fill in uh, <laughs> on defense against NHL players, it's probably not going to go so well. Um, right, so that might right. be part of it. Uh, it also might just be, you know, the personnel they have available. Yep. Very good. Yeah, I mean, we'll, be, we'll see. We'll see as soon as the Buffalo takes their first penalty tomorrow, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's asking, when do you think we will see Luke Shen and Brad Hunt in the lineup? I think this is a really good question because this is what we thought we would see game one, right? <laughs> we saw the lines get tweeted out and pairing three on most of the line sheets were Hunt and Shen and then pair four was Burroughs and Rathbone. And we look at that and we say, okay, well, it's game one of the season. It's not going to be Burroughs and Rathbone. It's going to be Hunt and Shen, the two solid veteran guys, which is boring, but it's fine. And then it was Rathbone and Burroughs, and they were, they've actually been good. They've been yeah. absolutely fine. They haven't been a liability. They've been dynamic. They've caused a couple of chances. Um, they haven't been perfect, but they've been good. Rathbone's had some mistakes, you know, some giveaways, uh, holding the puck a little bit too long sometimes, but uh, they've been a good pair. When, what do you think would have to happen for Shannon Hunt to end up in the lineup? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things would have to happen. I think Rathbone and or Burroughs would have to have a really bad game or maybe the two of them together, say they go minus two or something at even strength. I also think if, if the Canucks ever play against a team that's not as fast, because then you want Rathbone in there, but rather a team that's heavier, that's really has big forwards, that's really going to try and pound away at the D, I think that's when you want these bigger ball. Actually, no, Hunt's not that big, but Shen is. But at least the veteran presence. So maybe a like a heavier team like St. Louis or something like that. That off the top of my head. But I, I really think uh, unless Burles and Rathbone have a really bad game, I think we're going to see them for the next little bit. But it's an easy switch, right? These these two guys are veteran guys, as you said. You can just slot them in and very low maintenance. Yeah, I think they're uh, I think they're totally fine as guys who can sit in the press box for ten games come yeah. in at a moment's notice and do absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, a, I kind of agree with, I think it would be, yeah, they did have to do really bad. Uh, maybe on like a back to back. If mm. you know, there's been maybe like a four and six sort of scenario, uh, which I don't think the Canucks have for a little bit here, but uh, something like that, or uh, yeah, a physical team. I think, I think team makeup and, and trying to sort of line match would be the main opportunity. Or if they just want to give these two young guys a rest day, um, like I said, in like a four and six sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, all right. We are past 11. Do you want to grab one more here to wrap up on? Okay. One and more. By the way, Coach Rob does say to hit the like button, so do that. He's smart. He's smart. Uh, let's go. Ah, let's go up to Tuck 1053 uh, when Mott is ready to return. You see that one? 1053 oh, or 10.55, 10.55. Okay. That's why I can't find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, talks question. When Tyler Mott is ready to return, who do, uh, do we see him instead of Highmore? Or even a better question. Uh, who does Mott take out of the lineup? I mean, we know we saw Tyler Mott skate uh, at training camp, you know, like uh, three weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago, or whenever that was, he was skating after uh, on his own. Uh, probably just not cleared for contact yet, but he is skating. He's shooting pucks. Um, who do you see him taking out of the lineup? If I had to pick one, and we're not including Chase on and Patan because they're technically out as of tomorrow if Besser plays, I'm going with Lamico. Actually, if you if you think that Dickinson is your fourth line because you want to play Mueller in the third center, you can still put Dowling as a center if you have to. I think Lamico has been the the least effective, so I would keep Highmore and even Dowling in ahead of Lamico. Interesting. I'm a uh... I could see that. Yeah, I think I think Travis Green really likes Highmore. Um, mm -hmm. So I could see him staying in. Although I think him and Tyler Mott play a similar game that Mott's better at. True. Um, so if they're going for style, um, style of play, not fashion, uh, then <laughs> that might make more sense. Uh, the other thing you have to keep in mind here is if they do make a move like that, um, someone has to get waived, right? Yeah. Right? Yep. So So Tyler Mott comes in. Uh, who, you know, someone has to get waived. Uh, do they risk a guy like Lamico, who they just picked up in that trade for Levy? Do they go with someone like Chason, who they're probably pretty sure wouldn't get claimed considering he was on a PTO and, and could have signed with anyone then? 
Uh, mm -hmm. Nick Patan, who still hasn't gotten a look even after being sort of the third guy uh, with Pedersen and Besser or with uh, with Miller and Besser, sort of the Pedersen fill-in in training camp. Uh, lots of options there too. Yeah, and if Besser plays tomorrow, they got to put someone – they're going to be over the limit anyways. they got to put someone on waivers tomorrow or get someone off the roster because they'll be 24 and they got to get down to 23, right? Yeah, I guess so. Hey, yeah, he's still on yeah. IR. So, yeah. yeah, they'd have to they'd have to pull somebody. I think tomorrow you honestly you put Chase on on waivers uh, and yeah I uh, yeah. I wouldn't hate that uh, and uh, and look I mean we saw him on the power play uh, a fair bit but if he's going to be an extra anyways um, yeah. I, I think he's I think he's a guy that you can be almost a hundred percent sure goes down and if he does get claimed eh <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. so. For what we've seen so far, I don't think he gets claimed uh, because I, I think his only real role is net front on the power play uh, yeah. or at least down low on the power play. And I think most teams have their power play units sort of set uh, at this point. And Chason's probably not the guy they're going to go out and, and grab. Yeah, Chason's not bumping uh, Connor McDavid from the first unit of Edmonton. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we are going to wrap up there, folks. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. If you missed any part of the show, you can rewind back to the beginning. Make sure you're subscribed to the Canucks After Dark channel. Uh, you can listen to it in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify and Apple are both linked in the description. So if you want to listen tomorrow morning uh, or even later on tonight, it'll be up in a few minutes. Uh, go listen there. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. Hit the like button here on the show. Make sure you follow both of us on socials, our own YouTube channel, all that good stuff. And of course, thanks again, Manscaped, for sponsoring the show. Uh, code CAD for 20% off and free shipping if you want uh, some good uh, a good trimmer. It's, uh, it's, it's a good product. And, uh, and thank you guys very much once again. Uh, we'll be back next Monday um with canucks after dark uh, of course i have my post game shows that i do after every game clay does his two live streams a week and basically videos every day uh so go follow both of us uh for some good canucks content basically every day uh as always clay any parting words for tonight well uh between now and next week they have three yeah these three away games actually we by the time we talk next week they still won't have played their home openers so uh no i'm looking forward to a good week i'm looking for and we'll learn, know a lot more about this team a week from today and we'll be teeing up the home player so it's gonna be a good week for sure absolutely all right that's it for us and we will see you guys next week